The Tennis Gambling Podcast and Sports Gambling Podcast now are presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by SGPN Fantasy. Dominate your draft with the free SGPN Draft Kit. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash draft kit. And the free roll football contest is back and better than ever. $5,000 up for grabs in our NFL contest and $1,500 in our brand new college football contest. Sign up exclusively in our Discord, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Reichel, and joining me for this episode is nobody. It's another solo pod getting ready for the third round of the U.S. Open on the men's side. Before we actually get into any breakdowns, though, do have to recap how we did last time. I know Sam's not here. His picks did not go well, though. But as for my picks, ended up splitting... I won the lock and I lost the dog. Ended up having a two-pick parlay for the lock. I had Medvedev to win 3 nothing against Kozlov. Parlayed with Schwartzman Moneyline. And that paid out at around minus 110, minus 112, which ended up working out nicely. A little bit lucky that Sock ended up struggling with his fitness and had to retire while up two sets. Uh, or he was up 2-1 at that point, but you get what I'm trying to say. We factored it in to the actual breakdown with Sock's fitness, so I wasn't totally surprised. But Sock did play extremely well for the first two sets, and then he completely just ran out of gas. And you can argue it a back issue. You could argue that he was just fatigued. Either way, he quit, and Schwartzman ended up advancing, but ended up splitting, hit the lock, though. So that's going to be a pretty decent outcome. Of course, you want to sweep, but hitting the lock is always nice. Now, to actually go through the rest of this tournament, it's pretty interesting how to actually... I'd say attack the rest of this tournament because we're still trying to do podcasts for every round. So it's mostly going to be focused on the third round. I might get into a couple of quarter odds here and there, but mostly just going to unpack some of the third round matchups that kind of caught my eye, so to speak. But before we actually get into any of that, I do want to go through some of the surprising takeaways of the first two rounds in this event, starting off with the upsets, because there are a couple that are pretty inexcusable. And the first one we got to talk about is Sitsipas. And we saw him beat Medvedev recently in two out of three sets. Then he lost to Chorich in the final of Cincinnati. And it looked like he actually was getting back on track to some degree. And then he came out against Galan in the first round, prohibitive favorite, and lost 12 of the first 13 games in the match. You lose the first two sets 6-0-6-1 as the number four ranked player in the tournament. And then he eventually lost in four. It's inexcusable. I mentioned it a couple of podcasts ago. I mentioned it or I retweeted the actual quote that I had. I don't trust Pass, and I think the backhand's broken. And I get that the one-hand backhand has gotten him this far, but the unforced error count is way too high. I believe he had 57 unforced errors against Galan, and Galan kept the ball in play, and Pass kept spraying. But Galan did play very well. I'll give him props there. You have to play well if you win 12 out of 13 games. I don't care how bad the other person's playing. You do have to be playing at a certain high level. 
But Sitsipas, I don't know how many times people can expect him to be doing, I'd say, well in Grand Slams or even just regular tournaments when he's capable of these blow-ups all the time. And even in the fourth set, when he actually won the third one, momentum was turning in his favor, broke immediately in the fourth. He was up a break, and then he got broken uh, to let Galan back in the match. But it looked like Tsitsipas had kind of turned the tides back in his favor and then fell apart right after it. So, yeah, I don't really have much more to add there. Tsitsipas was easily the worst loss of the tournament on the men's or women's side up to this point. But it was really, really bad. And to move on to some of the other losses, I got to talk about the American who got upset in the first round in a shocking development. You ended up having Fritz, who ended up losing to Holt in four sets. Overall, Fritz did not play well at all. He had a lot of unforced errors as well. First two sets went to tie breaks, and then Holt became extremely sturdy. And it seemed like Fritz really had a hard time of keeping balls in play. And that was the story of the match. Fritz is another one of these young guys, you can really group a lot of them together, that have a lot of talent and can beat potentially anybody on their best days. But there's a lot of really bad days with it, like in there. And Fritz has been known to struggle at random points in tournaments. Round one was unexpected, but the fact that Fritz lost early, I can't say is an absolute shock out of like left field. I, th I think that it's a definitely a surprise he lost to Holt, of all people. But Fritz losing early in a tournament maybe just does not surprise me personally more than other people. I think Fritz is a good player. He's got a long way to go before he becomes a great player. And it's another case of a young guy who struggles with consistency. So he ended up losing early on. Then we got to talk about one of the most consistent players on the entire tour, we got absolutely smacked in the first round in a kind of a shocking way to an American. You had Batista Agut get absolutely smacked by J.J. Wolf, and he lost in straight sets, 6-4, 6-4, 6-4. Really not much more to add. It seemed like Batista Agut came out flat, and Wolf absolutely jumped him. The serve was solid. Batista Agut barely had any break points the entire match, and Wolf just had a lot of firepower and was able to overwhelm Batista Agut. So that was a pretty big surprise there. Uh, Wolf is definitely moving up the rankings. He's a pretty solid young American player, but Batista Agut's one of the steadiest players on tour, and the fact that he really wasn't able to even get into Wolf's service games I found relatively shocking, and the straight set's loss is definitely a big deal. Fritz did win a set. I know that Holt is a worse player than Wolf at this point in their careers by a decent margin, but at least Fritz showed up for part of the match. Batista Agut just got absolutely outplayed the entire way through. And that was unfortunate to see. Then moving into the second round, I do have one more person to call out. A guy who I've called out all the time for being an underrated psycho and for not being able to be trusted in these tournaments. It's going to be Felix. Because I don't know how many times Felix is supposed to just no-show either Grand Slams or random tournaments where he should, keyword should, make a somewhat deep run. The draw was favorable and he lost to Draper. Now, Draper is a good up-and-coming player. I picked him to win last week in Winston-Salem. Didn't work out, but he ended up making it to the semis and lost to Hussler in that matchup. So he had a decent run there, but we know Draper's good. He's top 50 now, or he's about to be after the U.S. Open. But Felix didn't even win a set. It's kind of similar to looking at the Wolf-Batista-Gut match where it's one thing if you lose to a guy who's got talent, but 
losing in straight sets, especially when you're Felix and you're the number six ranked player in this tournament, is kind of inexcusable. And Draper did play well, but I have to at least call Felix out. The thing is, in my personal overrated player rankings, I had Sitsipas at the top for a long time. I had Alcaraz somewhere in the top five. Alcaraz has been good in this tournament. I don't really have much more to add there. He's also very talented. It's just the fact that people compare him to Nadal, but I'm not going to go down an Alcaraz rabbit hole. The other name who I thought could potentially rival Sitsipas in my leaderboards for the most overrated tennis player was Felix. And I think Felix has passed him. I think Felix might be the most overrated player on the entire tour. Now, Sitsipas just lost in the first round, so I get his results were worse in this event. However, the reason why I'm putting Felix above him now for overrated is because of the fact that I feel like a lot of people have really started to turn on Sitsipas, and that has been the case since the mid-match coaching and the mid-match toilet break scandals that he's had over the years. But it seems like a lot of people really dislike Sitsipas, and I can't really call him overrated when a lot of people are starting to realize that him falling apart in random tournaments is commonplace. Felix, I feel like, is kind of sliding under the radar where he's been really struggling to generate good results or really, really consistent results. And I think that needs to be talked about more. I think Felix is a guy who people assume is going to take a leap at some point. He might be the future of Canadian tennis. And yet, he just seems to always struggle at random points. He made a good run in the Australian Open this past year before losing to Medvedev, had a couple of match points in there. That was the best Grand Slam run he's had by far. And no other run's really been close. I Draper's a good player once again, but Felix has got to do better than that. That That's a joke of a showing, losing in straight sets there. I think Felix is the most overrated player on tour. I think Sitsi Pass is second. And we can go from there who's going to be third. But I just want to point those three out. Those were the three upset losses that stood out to me. Uh, not really any more to add here uh, in terms of the actual bracket or any shockers. Uh, Vashka ended up beating Herkaz. That one totally did not surprise me because Vashka actually had fared well against Herkaz head-to-head previously. So the fact that Avashka, who is a lengthy and good returner, the fact that he could beat Avashka, the fact that he could uh, beat Herkaz didn't totally shock me because we've seen Herkaz also struggle at various points. For example, he lost in the first round to Davidovich Fakina on grass despite winning one of the grass warm-up tournaments right before it. So... Yeah, he's another top 10 guy who you can't really trust in Herkaz. But still, point is, a lot of guys in the top 15, top 20, even top 10 that are very young, and it seems like they all have the same flaw. You just can't trust them mentally on a regular basis, and then what, And that's truly what separates the big three with Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal, and why they were able to dominate for so long, and why they still might be dominating, because Nadal ended up beating Fognini in a very interesting four-set match yesterday, but they win a bunch of Grand Slams because every other person around them chokes, and Medvedev was able to cross the finish line against Djokovic in the U.S. Open, then he immediately choked in the Australian Open, so Medvedev, I guess, is the one guy who we've actually seen beat one of the big three in a recent final, and he went five sets against Nadal twice. He could have he should have beaten him in the Australian Open. He's up two sets, triple break point, and then ends up losing in that one. But the point is, Medvedev seems to be one of the only young guys that I actually trust to some degree against the big three. I don't trust anybody else, and we're going to see if anybody else can potentially 
dethrone the big one in this tournament because, of course, Federer and Djokovic are not there. Before we actually get into the updated quarter odds and the round three matchups, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsor. Thinking of joining WinBet, now is the perfect time because new customers who bet $100 get a $100 free bet. If you're betting on baseball, then you have to check out WinBet for their reduced juice on baseball games, which makes them the best place to bet MLB. Plus, the WinBet casino is always open 24 hours a day where you can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Win also just released their first quarterback with five touchdowns prop bet. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you by Odds Trader. On this podcast, I've mentioned time and time again the importance of shopping your lines. And while it might be annoying to pull up several books to find the best line available for you, it takes a lot of effort. And luckily for us, Odds Trader does the work for you because Odds Trader is the perfect place to compare odds from all the major sports books in one central location. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal when you initially sign up. The provides you with player statistics, key game stats, injury reports, and projected game day weather for bettors to make the most informed bets possible. It also has a bet tracker feature so bettors can keep records of all their games and betting activity. Go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire, oddstrader, the number one site for all of your game day bets. The free roll football contests are here. College football contests, $1,500 up for grabs. And the NFL contest, $5,000 and a two-night stay at Win Las Vegas up for grabs. Sign exclusively in our Discord, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We just briefly recapped what happened in the first two rounds. Now it's time to talk about the updated quarter odds and to remind people of uh, the plays that we had. Now, I will concede that there is no third quarter and fourth quarter odds up because some of the matches ended pretty late on Thursday, but we do have quarter one and quarter two. I'm just uh, triple checking that there is no quarter three or four out yet. Uh, as of right now, I only see one and two. Yeah, I only see one and two. So to go through quarter one, uh, I had two picks in this quarter. Uh, I had Medvedev when the tournament started at roughly even money. Or I'm trying to... Uh, yeah, it was even money, I believe. And uh, I mentioned Karenia Busta at around 12 to 1 or 14 to 1. Medvedev is now down to minus 145. Uh, Kyrgios has looked sharp so far. Did drop a set to Bonzi, but he is plus 200. And it seems like they're both headed for a collision course. And you have Karenia Busta at 10 to 1 now taking on Diminur in the third round, which should be a very competitive and entertaining match. So I find it interesting that the top two players in this draw with the odds, with the lowest odds, are going to play against each other at some point. And Kyrgios, we know, just beat Medvedev. I think Medvedev's going to eventually get revenge, but either way, I'm not really going to pivot on anything. Do I think Boos is going to make it to Medvedev? I'm not even sure. I think Diminur could potentially beat him. Draper, 12-1, to could potentially be intriguing. 
because if you look at his draw, uh, it's not terrible. And Draper has a matchup against Kakanov. We know Kakanov can be a little bit of a psycho at times. And then he's looking at potentially Karenia Busta. I think that that is a doable situation, but do I think any of them are going to beat Medvedev? No. So you're rooting for Kyrgios, basically, to beat Medvedev if you want to take any of these long shots. But I think at the end of the day, I am still going with Medvedev. I think he'll get it done. And Kyrgios looked very good serving in that two out of three set match. I wonder how his stamina is going to hold up across five after playing a couple of rounds and doubles mixed in there. I think Medvedev will probably win the quarter, so I'll stick with that. And to go through the second quarter, it's pretty fascinating because Berrettini is now the favorite. Of course, Tsitsipas ended up dropping early on. Berrettini is plus 160. Rude is plus 275. Andy Murray is 5-1. to one. Tommy Paul is 550. And then you have a couple of other options that I'm not really interested in. So starting off with the actual plays, uh, Sam and I did like Tsitsipas to win the quarter. We thought it was good odds, and he no-showed the event, so that was a loss. But Sam and I did also recommend Tommy Paul at 33-1. to He had a very nice win against Korda in five sets in the last round, and Paul went from 33-1 to to plus 550. So you got yourself a hell of a price if you backed uh, our advice. And Tommy Paul does have a matchup against Rude in the third round. I think that's doable. I think that Paul could potentially beat Rude. I think it'll be a war. I'm not picking an easy match by any means, but I do think that Paul could, keyword could, make it quite an interesting matchup. And he will, of course, have the home crowd behind him since he is an American. But to go through anything else in the quarter, I am kind of tempted by Berrettini, but then he ended up going four sets in his last match. He didn't really look impressive. Murray has looked pretty good up to this point, which has surprised me. Now, I will at least acknowledge the level of competition is not exactly good. He beat Sarundolo, who's basically a clay court specialist, and he beat an extremely young American in Nava, and Nava was coming off of a five-set match against Millman. Nava won the first set, then lost the second set, and then Murray dropped one game in the final two sets combined. So Nava completely ran out of gas after the five-setter, and we saw a similar story to Chorich in yesterday's match against Brooksby. It's one thing to go a lot of three-set matches, but when you go into Grand Slams and you're not used to going five, and then you have a match the next round after you win in five, you're going to struggle physically, and Nava totally ran out of gas. So Murray, don't get me wrong, it's not his fault he beat the people in front of him, but it's kind of tough to evaluate how good his odds actually are, especially since Murray's playing against Berrettini in the next round. Berrettini looked really good against Jari. I don't think Jari's very good, but... Once again, he ended up winning in four. He kind of no-showed the first set in the second round, but then ended up winning the final three sets, 6-1-7-6-7-6. I think that matchup's tricky. So I'm trying to think if there's actually value. Like if Murray would hypothetically beat Berrettini, do I think he'd actually be able to sustain the physical level that he's curr- that he's been playing at? I am not totally sure. That's all I'm saying. I think it's an interesting discussion. If you want to make a case for Murray at around 5-1 to one or 5-50, I might not hate it, but do I think he's going to beat Berrettini? That's really the question. I think they're going to kill each other. I think it's going to be a very, very competitive match. I think I am going to go with Berrettini, though, just solely because of the serve. I think that he's going to win a bunch of free points, and I think Murray's going to end up struggling to win a bunch of points on his serve. We saw Nava have some success very early on against Murray's serve, 
before the fatigue set in. I think Berrettini should be able to rip some forehands and be aggressive when it comes to potentially coming to the net. Murray's going to try to pepper the backhand, which is the obvious strategy against Berrettini. But the amount of free points he'll get against Murray, I do think will pay dividends. I think that Berrettini probably wins in four, if I had to guess. But I do think it'll be competitive, maybe a tiebreaker or two. But I'll take Berrettini to get that one done. So I guess I'm still leaning to Berrettini. But Tommy Paul was my pick at 33-1. to He was my long shot pick and Sam's pick as well. And he's still kicking. So hopefully Tommy Paul gets it done for us. And now moving on to the actual updated outrights in order to win the tournament. Medvedev is now plus 175. Nadal is 3-1. to one. Alcaraz is 4-1. to one. Kyrio 6-1. to one. Berrettini 12-1. to one. Sinner 12-1. to one. Nori 25-1. to one. And then a couple of other 33-1 to one or uh, longer shots. But Medvedev, simply put, should be the favorite. Sam and I talked about this before the tournament started. We know Medvedev has lost a couple of times on hardcore recently, but you're looking at the actual schedule, and Medvedev has Wu in the next round. He should dominate. Congrats to Wu, by the way, for being the first Chinese man to actually win a Grand Slam singles match, and he won two, ended up winning the five-setter against Borges in the second round. But Medvedev would have to face off against Kyrgios or Wolf. I think Wolf's actually live in that Kyrgios match. The crowd is going to be interesting because the Americans playing against Kyrgios, but everyone who's going to be at the match watching it is going to be rooting for Kyrgios. So it's kind of tricky trying to evaluate how the crowd's going to react. But Wolf has looked very sharp. And I do think that he has enough firepower and enough variety to make Kyrgios work for it. So I do think that that match could go four or five. I think you might be seeing a marathon match there. And Medvedev might have a rest advantage because you might see Kyrgios and Wolf on the court a lot longer than Medvedev. So I think Medvedev should be the favorite easily. His quarter is manageable. Uh, you have Busta, Diminur, uh, Kakanov, and Draper, and they're going to kill each other before getting to Medvedev. I think it's a pretty favorable draw, so I do think that is definitely worth talking about. Now, Nadal is around 3-1, to one, which is also fair because you're looking at... Nadal's draw after beating Fognini, and Fognini had that big comeback against Karatsev. I think Karatsev would have been a potentially more interesting matchup. Fognini looked really good for the first set in about three games, but he just straight up ran out of gas, and he could not serve. I believe he double-faulted nine times. But now Nadal plays against Gasquet. He is undefeated against Gasquet in like 17-plus meetings. I believe Nadal is 17-0 against Gasquet. Gasquet's been good in this tournament. I think he could take a set but I'll take Nadal to win the match. Then he'd face off against the winner of Tiafo and Schwartzman. Sam and I looked into Schwartzman as a very, very big uh, price. I believe he was also 33-1 to 1, uh, to win the quarter. Uh, Sam was more in on it than I was, but Schwartzman's here, and he won in straight sets against Papyron in the last round, and he ended up playing three sets in one game against Sock. So... Schwartzman played the minimum plus one game, so you wonder if he's well-rested. But Tiafo's got the crowd behind him. He's got a lot of firepower. He also has looked very comfortable. Decent amount of tie breaks or seven fives, but Tiafo has not dropped the set. The question is, do I think Tiafo could beat Nadal? I don't think he can. Now, Schwartzman has a lot of experience against Nadal, but I think Schwartzman's just past his prime. I don't think it's fully obvious yet but you can tell Schwartzman isn't as sharp as he used to be. 
And I think that Nadal should get through those two matchups. And then you're looking at maybe Rublev or Rune or, yeah, or Nori. I I think Nadal should get through. So that's why I had Medvedev and Nadal in my final. Very, very chalky, I know, but I still picked it. And that's basically it. Uh, Alcaraz is all good so far, but I'm not picking him to win a Grand Slam when he hasn't really even made it to a semi yet. And he also has to face off against Sinner, most likely, in his section. And Sinner's owned him. So I don't want to take Alcaraz at 4-1. to one. Kyrgios, I'm not picking at 6-1 to because he has to face Medvedev. I'd rather just take him to beat Medvedev and try to roll it over from there. Berrettini's interesting. I don't think he's going to win the tournament, so I guess I'm not totally interested. But it's intriguing to get a guy who could be hitting uh, his quality form once again, which makes him a top five player in the world. So perhaps you might be able to find some value there. Sinner, I'm not sure if I fully trust him over the course of this entire tournament, but him making a quarter or a semi would not surprise me. So just keep that in mind. But now it's actually time to get into the lock and dog segment. But before we do that, we're going to have another quick word from our sponsor. For all you sports bettors out there, I want to tell you about the best new way to increase your bankroll. It's called PromoGuy.us. At PromoGuy.us, you can get the biggest bonuses from all the best sports books in the country. We're talking $1,000 risk-free deposits, insane odds boosts, and most importantly, the best analytics in the business, plus tons of free picks as well. PromoGuy.us is your guide to betting smart. Once again, that's PromoGuy.us. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. And they also just passed 4 million users. And now you could win money on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money that you put in. And with the NFL season right around the corner, Sleeper is the first sports contest game built into the fantasy experience. The main reason why I'm excited about the over under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I could join my buddies contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I could see and copy my friend's picks with just the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group at uh, on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash SGP and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash SGP and you'll get $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. We're also brought to you by Run Your Pool. Run Your Pool is the home of competition, bringing sports fans and their social circles together to compete, connect, and make every game more important. Run Your Pool offers every game type under the sun, from Pick'em and Survivor to Fantasy Pools. It's a one-stop shop for sports gaming with customizable features that you don't get anywhere else. We've teamed up with Run Your Pool to host a pool for our official SGPN NFL Survivor Contest. Hop in now to reserve your spot, $500 cash, plus a $250 gift certificate to the SGPN store to the winner. Sign up today over at play.runyourpool.com slash SGPN. That's play.runyourpool.com slash SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We just went through the future markets with the quarters and the 
a tournament winner outright, but now it's time to move into the individual matches and to talk about the plays that I like the most in the lock and dog segment for Friday and Saturday's card. So starting off with the lock, I am going to go to an underdog in a matchup taking place on Friday between Andy Murray and Berrettini. And for this matchup, I actually like the dog here. I like Andy Murray plus four and a half games at roughly minus 140. I know Murray's past his prime, but Berrettini has really not looked that sharp up to this point. I mentioned how he beat Jari pretty handily in the first round. Jari is more of a clay guy. And then he struggled against Grenier in the second round, uh, dropped the first set 6-2. couple of tiebreakers in there. Grenier is not exactly known for being a great server by any means. So it seems like Berrettini's return game has really not been that solid. And I do think as a result, you're going to end up seeing Murray hang around. We know Murray is still a very good returner. And Berrettini, I do wonder if the strokes are going to get a little bit haywire or go a little bit haywire when Murray keeps trying to pepper the backhand and just keeps the ball in play. If you want to go through the head-to-head meetings, Murray has fared pretty well. Uh, Murray is 1-2, and two, but to go through the actual matches, they played on grass twice. They played on grass this year, and Murray ended up losing in three sets there. They played in London back in 2021. That was a straight sets win for Berrettini. They played in Beijing in 2019, and Murray won that one 7-6-7-6. That's the only hardcore match they ever had in head-to-head but I do think Murray is actually quite live to potentially win the match. I'm not going to pick him to win it, but I do think he'll take at least a set. I think you'll see a very competitive match. couple breakers in there, but Berrettini could very easily drop another set 6-2 based on what he did in the first set there against Grenier in the second round. But I do think plus 4.5 seems a little bit too large for an actual spread here. So I'm going to take the dog here and go with Murray plus four and a half games. And I'm moving on to my dog. It's going to be a two-pick parlay on totals. I'm going to go to the Tommy Paul and Casper Ruud match. And I'm going to take the over three and a half sets. And I'm also going to take the Karenia Busta and Diminor over three and a half sets. And that two-pick pays out at plus 110. Uh, to go through the reasons why I like each, each individual match, in the head-to-head, Paul and Rude have been very, very competitive in the three previous meetings. They've played on hard court twice and clay. And in each of those three meetings, both players won at least one set. So you're most likely going to be looking at four, maybe five. I see a war taking place, and I do think you'll end up seeing this matchup definitely go beyond three. So I'm going to go with the over in the Paul and Rude for the sets. And then I'm going to look at Karenia Busta. Diminor over because I think both players are quite similar stylistically and both players are in very solid form. We saw Busta drop a set to Bublik. Uh, probably should have been two. He fought off basically six break points in the 5-6 uh, service game. I believe that one service game for Busta took about 18 minutes, but he ended up holding and Bublik choked in the breaker. But Busta has dropped a set in each of the first two matches against Bublik and team. Diminor's had an easier go of it. Beat Krajinovic in the first set handily and then beat Gareen in four, getting some revenge there for Wimbledon. But I think you're going to see a competitive match. Both players keep the ball in play. They both have great movement. I do think that Busta will hit a few too many unforced errors at times. Both players are a bit streaky on the serve. But I do think you're going to see this go at least four, maybe even five. So I'll take the over in that one. So once again, the 
lock for the episode is going to be Andy Murray plus of uh, yeah plus four and a half games at minus one forty against Berrettini, and the dog is going to be a two pick parlay: Tommy Paul and Casper Ruud over three and a half sets, and Karenjabusta and Diminour over three and a half, and that two pick pays out at plus one ten. Other than that, though, we'll be back once again for either actually Saturday or Sunday. I might potentially have a guest on tomorrow or. We might just wait for the fourth round to do that. But either way, we're back at some point during the weekend. Until then, good luck to all of you and all your bets. Bye, everyone.